0: you're listening to a message preached at Front Range Baptist Church by Pastor Dean Miller. It is our prayer that this message will be a help and encouragement to you in your spiritual walk. Now, here's Pastor Miller. Acts chapter 16. I want to speak this morning on knowing the will of God in your life. Acts chapter 16 and verse number 6. Now, when they had gone through throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mysia, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night, There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him or asked him saying, come over into Macedonia and help us. And After he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. don't know if you noticed or not in that passage of scripture but two times two times the bible says the spirit of god forbid them the spirit of god suffered them not and then they concluded that the lord had called them you see two places where the holy spirit stopped them and you see a place where god called them now For those of you that have not been with us in our study of Acts, here's where we are. Paul has now joined forces with Silas and Timothy. They've gone throughout the region of Galatia. Don't check out. They've gone through the region of Galatia. And they've gone back to the churches that Paul and Barnabas had started on their first journey there. And they've confirmed those churches. Remember last week? Healthy churches. Churches that were growing and thriving and reaching people for Christ. So Paul now is going to set out into new territory and he's going to go claim some more places for Christ. So he turns and heads west. If you have a map in the back of your Bible, you can look at this at some point, but he heads west. Now don't get confused with Asia here as being what we know of Asia as China and Japan and the Philippines and so forth. Uh, This is not, this is, this is Asia minor. In the Roman Empire, it was called Asia there, which would be modern-day Turkey. Paul is going out west. He's heading west towards great principal cities, like cities like um, Ephesus, cities like um, Philadelphia. He's heading out to these cities where there are um, hundreds of thousands of people. But the Holy Spirit says no, and he uses the word forbid there, which literally means to withstand him. He forbid him. So Paul turns north, and he starts heading up towards Bithynia. That's on the coast of the Black Sea, and it was way up north, and that is a tremendous area. For the gospel to go. I mean, it had access to really spread northward and into Asia and other places. And so, Paul was marching up towards Bithynia. And the Holy Spirit said, nope. Now, I don't know if, if you put yourself in this place, but, but think about being Silas or Timothy. And you've heard the stories Of Paul and Barnabas and their first missionary journey, and and demon possessed people, and masses of people getting saved, and churches springing up, and God doing mighty works. And if you were Barnabas, or if you were Silas and Timothy, you were ready to see God do great things. And you know what they did for the first part of their journey here? Nothing. They walked, and I'm sure they begin to say to Paul, Paul, when are we gonna when are we gonna start preaching? And Paul said, I I don't know. Well, Paul, how about here? I mean, look at this city. There's got to be at least 50,000 people here. Why not here? No, not here. But Paul, these people are all lost. I know. (laughs) But the Spirit didn't permit them. So they get up towards Bithynia, and they begin to go across the coast of the Black Sea, and they begin to travel westward again. And finally, they come to the city of Troas, Now, understand that this journey didn't just take a day. This was day after day after day after day of going in search of where God would have them preach. Where God would have them to serve and to start churches. Now, let me ask you a couple questions. And and just, uh, let me just tell you right at the front, these are unanswerable questions. They're unanswerable because the Bible doesn't tell us But I want you to think about it. How did the Holy Spirit forbid them? I want you to think about that. I'm asking you this question because I want you to ask questions like this when you read your Bible. How did the Holy Spirit forbid them? And then I want you to ask this question. Answer this question. How did they know that it was the Holy Spirit and not the devil? Because we know that Paul wrote in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 18, Paul wrote to the Thessalonican church and he said, I wanted to come to you, but Satan did hinder me. Paul knew that Satan had hindered him from getting to Thessalonica. So how did he know that it was the Spirit of God hindering him in this? And why would the Spirit of God hold him back? Well, let me just tell you right up front and quite frankly, we don't know. But as a Christian, there are a few things that we do know. Here's what we know. We know that we need wisdom. We need wisdom from God. Wisdom is having God's mind on the matter. And not only do we need God's wisdom, but listen, we need God's discernment. You, do, you know, do you know that uh, so many Christians are lacking discernment today and we're choosing to do good things when we could do better things and we're settling for better things when we could have best things? Uh, we're doing good things for God when we could be doing best things for God. Let me, tell you, let me tell you one of the best ways to fail. You young people, listen to your pastor for a minute. Let me tell you how to fail. Let me tell you one of the biggest ways to fail in your life. Be successful doing the wrong thing. Go out somewhere and make a whole lot of money. Give yourself to just making money. And be successful in building a business and lose your family. You'll be a successful failure. Uh, There are so many people today that are uh, pursuing, and the world calls them successes. They're all over Hollywood today. They're all over the silver screen We put stars in the ground for them. We have big galas to award them. And these people make movies and they're the stars and they're what all the young people want to aspire to be. The rock stars, the pop stars, the Hollywood stars, all these stars. And let me, the rich people, the billionaires, the Elon Musk, all these people. That people say, man, I wish I had that kind of money. Let me tell you, friend, listen to me. There are a lot of people out there who are successful failures. They've been successful in what they did, but they were successful doing the wrong thing. And a Christian needs discernment. A Christian needs to have the mind of God and discern the will of God. Paul was hindered by the Holy Spirit. So how do we know that the Holy Spirit forbid him? And how do we know that that Paul was following the Holy Spirit? Well, let me show you something quickly, okay? We know, I want you to go back to Psalm 32. We just heard an amazing song about putting down our human nature, and following God, and letting the Spirit of God guide us. Listen to this very carefully. Psalm 32, verse number five, David said, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah, that means, what do you think about that? That's what Selah means. Stop and think about that. What do you think about that? That I acknowledged my sin, I confessed it, and God forgave it. What do you think about that? For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Watch what he says to the Lord Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Selah. What do you think about that? That God is going to be my refuge and my hiding place in dark times. Watch what he says in verse number 8. Now watch it. God says here, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. This is God speaking to David now. I will guide thee with mine eye. You say, what does that mean? Well, you know what that means if you ever had a mama in church. If you ever sat with your mama in church, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I remember sitting down at the end of that row and I'd be horsing around and all of a sudden I could feel heat on the side of my face. (laughs) And I'd look over and my mama would be giving me that eye. And nobody can give you an eye like a mama can give the eye. And my mom just looked at me and let let me tell you what she did. She guided me with her eye. She guided me to sit up straight put my hands on my lap. She never said a word, but I knew exactly what she said And you know what else she said you're gonna die when you get home (laughs) Guide you with your eye Now here's what the Lord said to David be ye not as the horse Or as the mule You say what's he talking about? Well, let me tell you what a horse wants to do a horse wants to go you get on a horse. It wants to go. It wants to go, 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 go. We had a horse. We had a, we had a, we had a beautiful quarter horse, Palomino, beautiful. Her name was Dollar. And she cost a lot of dollars, <laughs> and we just kept feeding those dollars into dollars. But we get on dollars. Let me tell you, sometimes dollars would ride like an like a amazing horse. Other times, you got on her and she, you could just feel her body. She wanted to run. She was a quarter horse. She wanted to run. She wanted to go. And if you didn't want to go, like she wanted to go, she'd go ahead and go. And leave you behind <laughs> I think all of us in our family got thrown off that horse and God said don't be like the horse let to go and he said don't be like the mule what's well, a mule a mule doesn't want to go you pull on that mule and he doesn't want to go God said I don't want you to be swift like the horse I don't want you to be stubborn like the mule he said here's what I want you to do they have no understanding Whose mouths must be held with a bit and a bridle, lest they come near unto thee. He said, Here's what, here's what. He said, The mule and the horse that you have to hold their mouth with the bridle so you can turn them. He said, I want you to have understanding how to follow me. I don't want you to run out ahead of me like a horse. I don't want you to lag behind me like a mule. I want you to follow me with understanding. Now, I want everybody to look, look right up here. I want you young people to listen to me. God has promised to guide you. Some of you older people are going through some difficult days right now. There's a wonderful book that was written years ago by a famous preacher who said, all my life I was taught how to die, but no one ever taught me how to grow old. And as you get older, you can't do the things that you want to do anymore. Your kids begin to leave. And, and uh, you, you start thinking, well, what's my purpose anymore? Let me tell you something right now. You listen to me. You listen to me. From Miss Naomi down here, 101 years old, To the youngest child in that nursery over there God has a plan for you God has a purpose for your life don't ever look to heaven and say God why am I still here what we need to do is look to heaven and say Lord what wilt thou have me to do God has a purpose for you and a plan for you he promises to guide you now how does God do this like he did with Paul Was God guiding Paul even when Paul didn't know where he was going? Yes. God was very much in control when Paul didn't know what to do. Paul was trying to go this way. God said no. Paul started going that way. God said no. He said, okay, I can't go west. I can't go north. Now I'm up in the north and God wants me to go west again. But was God in control? Yes, God was in control. Can I tell you tonight, this morning? Listen to me, church. Listen to this statement. Many people make the big mistake in their life in a time of uncertainty. And I see people today, Christian people, that are floundering without a sense of direction because the world is at unrest and the world is at chaos. And we think, well, we don't know what to do. I see, I see young people, uh, uh, 20, 25, 30 years old, Not knowing what to do. I was sitting in my car the other day. I had gone to Lowe's to get something. I was sitting in my car. The man that helped me said, hey, fill out the little uh, survey at the bottom. It'll help me. And I I never do those things. But this guy was genuinely a help to me. And I thought, man, if it'll help him, I'm going to fill it out. I was sitting in my car. Car was off. I was filling out this survey. And I heard people talking around me. And I heard a conversation. And I was looking down at my phone. I heard this conversation. And my head snapped up. Because I heard a girl, a, a female voice, say this. I heard a female voice say, yeah, I don't want to have, I don't want to have a baby because like, I don't want to like go through that process of like having a baby. And I heard the other one say, yeah, me either. And I don't want to add to the world's population. And they begin to have this conversation about why they didn't want to have children. And then it was interesting. The other one's like, "Ah, but like, like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my whole life. And so, I just rolled down the window, and I said, excuse me, and they said, yeah, and I said, let me tell you two things, I can tell you what you need to do with the rest of your life, and I can tell you this, children aren't a burden, they're a blessing, and I gave them a gospel track, and she looked at me like I was a weirdo, so I rolled the window back up, have a good day. Now, let me just tell you, this is, this is the world that we're living in. These weren't young girls. These were girls in their late 20s, early 30s that are still looking for purpose and direction, trying to deny the instincts that God has put in their heart about being a mother. They've been told by the world that babies are a burden, that marriage is bad, and that you can be whatever you want, and you probably don't even know who you are or what you are, and you've got to figure it out and discover yourself. Listen to me. You young people, listen to me. You'll never find you by finding you. You'll find you when you find him. We have a sense of confusion in the world today. Young people, old people, middle-aged people, moms and dads, paralyzed with uncertainty, walking around in a fog of indecision, not knowing what to do, and making huge mistakes. Now, let me just tell you, Paul was surrounded by opportunity. Everywhere he went, there was opportunity. He had a burden. He had a burden. He had a message. There were people. And he he could have used all of that. In that moment, he could have said, God, I have a burden for these people. I have a message for these people. And yeah, there's all the people. And he could have just started where he was. But the Holy Spirit said, no. Speaking in the Philippines, I was preaching in the Philippines in 2016. I would preach, and there were thousands of people, and people would come in droves to be saved. I mean, God was doing a work in the Philippines, and there 's been a spirit of revival there for many years, and great churches were being built and i 'm going to tell you, thousands of people were coming to Christ. I would stand in those services and I would weep, and I would say, "Oh God." God we 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 come we just have a tent we have a building that, that just has a roof and no walls and people are standing for hours they're walking through the jungles they're riding on jeepneys they're coming in droves to hear the gospel they're responding with broken hearts and with tears and weeping they're bringing others oh god i'm i'm pastoring in the in in, in the united states of america where we have to beg borrow steal have a light show fog smoke electric guitars we have to, we have to do tricks and fly angels around and the services or whatever to get people to come. God, here am I. Send me. I'll come. I remember, I remember thinking man, I would love to get up and preach to people who wanted to hear it, who had hunger and thirst and would respond. I didn't have to beg anyone to come to an altar. I didn't have to beg anyone to come to Christ. I would just preach the gospel. And, and by the way, if I preached an hour, they were angry. You preached too short. You should study more. I thought, heavens to Betsy's. This is where I need to be. After a service, I was at the altar. I was broken. I was broken. I'd preach the same sermons there, and a hundred would get saved. I'd preach the same sermon in America, and people forget what I said before they hit the buffet line. And I remember kneeling at that altar, weeping. And I was about to give myself to the Philippines. An old veteran missionary. He's been there for over 40 years. Their church has started 1,700 churches. And these are the giants that we're going to stand with at the judgment seat of Christ. Christ. I was about to give, and I felt that old bony hand on my shoulder. And he leaned down, and he said this. He said, Brother Miller, don't confuse a burden with a call. And he walked away. Don't confuse a burden with a call. Paul had the message. He had the opportunity. He had the burden. What would he have been? Wrong if he'd have started churches there. We'd all applauded him for that. But let me tell you something. He would have done it without the blessing of God. Someone said this. Half our problems come from wanting our own way. Half of our problems come from wanting our own way. All we like sheep have gone. We have turned everyone to his own way we think we know what we want and what we really need to know is not our own way we need to know God's way we need to know God's will and God's promise to guide you Isaiah 58 and verse 11 and the Lord shall guide thee continually Proverbs 3 5 and 6 trust in the Lord with all thine heart lean not to thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths you see, we have the Heavenly Father above us controlling things. We have our brother, the Lord Jesus, beside us <laughs> guiding our steps. And we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, affecting our passions and our affections, guiding us. God has promised to guide you. God has a specific plan for your life. Do you realize that every hair of your head is numbered? God doesn't just deal with people in mass, God deals with individuals. In the multitudes, God sees you and he knows you and he has a plan for you. For we, Ephesians 2.10, are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Let me tell you why people are walking around this earth doing everything they want to do and are miserable all the more. Because they're doing what they want and they've never found what they were really made to do. God has a purpose for you. He made you for a specific purpose. So, how do I know it? Let me give you a couple very quick points. Number one, number one, and these are going to sound so redundant to you, but you need to hear them again. Number one, surrender your will. Here in this psalm, the psalmist had confessed his sin. He did not hide his iniquities. He laid it out before God. He came to God and began to pray in verse number six. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Here's what he did. He said, God, I want to come clean and I want to come before you. I want to give myself over. i want to seek you. I want to surrender myself to you. This is exactly what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. There is, a, there is a confession of sin, a seeking God in prayer, and finding a hiding place in Him. Now, listen to me very carefully. Many of us, we want to know the will of God, so what we do is we say, okay, God, you show me what you want me to do, and then I'll see if I want to surrender to that. But here's the, here's the problem. You don't surrender to a plan. You surrender to a person. Paul didn't surrender to be a missionary. He said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? He surrendered to a person. Does everybody understand that today? You better, don't let, you, don't let that go over your head. Let me ask you, let me ask you, teenage, uh, teenage boy, teenage girl, let me ask you do, you. do you have a surrendered heart to Jesus Christ? Have you come to him and said, "Lord, anywhere, anytime, any cost, I give you my life, I surrender to you." You see, the will of God is not something that you find. I hear preachers preach about finding the will of God. You don't find the will of God. The will of God finds you. <laughs> Listen, the will of God is not a road map. It's a relationship. The will of God is not God telling you where to go. The will of God is going with God where he wants you to go. That's why Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. When you surrender to him, he'll show you the way. Now, now, I'll tell you why we don't surrender to him. You know why we don't surrender to him? We don't surrender to him because we don't know him. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm just saying you don't know him. Look, listen to me. If you were to walk out of church today, and you were to walk into a restaurant, and one of these men that stand on the side of the street with a cardboard sign, will work for food or something like that, anything will help, God bless. And one of those guys popped out from behind his shopping cart, and he walked over to you with his dirty finger sticking out of his gloves, and he said, hey, 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 come here, buddy. Come here, come here, come here, come here. I've been cooking something up in my tent over here. I want you to taste this. Open your, open your mouth and close your eyes. How many of you do it? <laughs> All right, <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you, yeah. you're a braver man than I am. If you would. Now, now, you know why I wouldn't do it. I don't know that guy. I don't know him. I've not seen his tent. I don't know what that guy's cooking. But now I tell you something. If I get home and my I walk in the kitchen and my wife says, "Hey, come here." Close your eyes and open your mouth. I, st- I don't know if I'd still do it. <laughs> no, nah, I, I would open my mouth. You know why? Because I know her. And to know her is to love her. And to love her is to trust her. Let me tell you why we don't, Let me tell you why we don't surrender our will to God. Because we don't know him. Here's what we're afraid of. We're afraid of this. Lord, if I gave you my life, you'd probably send me somewhere I'd hate to be. God, if I gave you my life, you'd probably put me with somebody I didn't want to be with. As though God is some cruel, evil taskmaster. How many of you parents in here, if your son came to you, how many of you have a teenage son? Raise your hand. All right. Let's say your teenage son walks up to you and says, Dad, have a seat for a second. I need to talk to you. (laughs) Dad, I, I need to tell you a couple things. I see how hard you work, and Dad, you provide for our family, and Dad... You work so hard for me. You love me. It's easy to see that you love me. And dad, you're older than I am and you're wiser than I am. You've been married. You've had kids. You've bought a house. You've paid taxes. You've built a business. Dad, you're pretty smart. You work hard. You know a lot more than I do. I'm only 15 or 16 and you you work hard. Dad, here's what I'd like you to do. Since you're smarter than me and you're down the road in front of me, here's what I'd like to do you just tell me what you want me to do. You tell me what you want me to be. You tell me exactly what you want me to say and how to behave. And dad, you just mold me in the man you think I ought to be. And I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Now, after you got up off the floor, (laughs) you're not gonna run into your bedroom and say, sweetheart, come here. Do you know what Junior just told me? He's an idiot. <laughs> he just gave us the dream. I mean, listen. Think, think of it quickly. What are the seven things that he would hate to do? Let's give it to him. <laughs> Let me tell you something. He'd probably, he'd, probably, he'd probably have a big step for that car he'd like to have. He'd probably start taking some pretty big strides for some of the things that he'd really like. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't use that to abuse him you would use that to mold him and to give to him and to bless him you know some of us are afraid to just say god whatever you want with my life i'll give it to you you know why we don't know him and i can tell you you don't know him you don't know him because you think well if i gave my life to god god give me some bad things back well you don't know him the lord is good Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh from above, from our Father of lights. God gives good things. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. God only knows how to give good to his people. For we know that all things work together for good. See, the problem is we don't know him. listen to me, if you know the Lord, you'll love the Lord. To know him is to love him. To love him is to trust him. To trust him is to obey him. To obey him is to be blessed. (laughs) I can tell you what, if you just went to the Lord today and said, Lord, what would you have me to do? Lord, I'm giving you a blank sheet. I'm signing my name at the bottom. You fill in the contract and I'll do it. You would have more blessing in your life than you could ever imagine. I'm not talking about wealthiness. I'm not talking about cars and houses and mansions. I'm not talking about all the world can offer. I'm talking about everything that God can offer. There's a will of God for your life. And you know what that will of God is? Listen to me very carefully. The will of God for your life is everything that you would choose for your life if you were wise enough to want it. So there's the first thing is a surrendered will. I got to hurry. Number two is saturated with the Word. Saturated with the Word. Psalm 119, 105, listen to it. The Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119 and 130, the entrance of thy words giveth light. God's Word gives direction. The Bible is not a book of minute laws and details and rules and rituals. The Bible is God's Word, and it's filled with great principles of how to live life God's way. People think, well, we're breaking God's commandments. We're not breaking God's commandments. We're being broken on them. Every time a man goes against the will of God and goes against the commandments of God, all he demonstrates is that God was right. He didn't break the commandment. He was broken on the commandment. If I got up on top of that roof and I jumped off, I wouldn't break the law of gravity. I'd fulfill it. And I'd be broken by it. You know how we're looking at a world with broken marriages and broken homes, and we're looking at a world that can't figure out what they are and what they want and what's out there, and we are living in the most prosperous, most blessed nation on the planet, and people are so miserable with themselves, they're taking blockers for their hormones, they're changing their identities, they're doing everything they can to get more and more and more, all the while marching in the streets saying, I've been treated unfairly and unjustly. You know why? It's a broken world, and they have not broken one of the laws of God. They've been broken on the laws of God, and they've done nothing more than to prove that God's law was right. The Word of God gives light. The Word of God is a principle, and God gives us His Word. For instance, it's plainly written in His Word. It's the will of God that you abstain from fornication. I had a man years ago come into my office, and he said, Pastor... I got a problem. I said, what's your problem? He said, I married the wrong woman. I said, well, that's a problem. He said, but here's where it gets worse. I got a bigger problem. I said, what's that? He said, I know who the right woman is. (laughs) I said, you do? He said, absolutely. There's a woman that I work with. She's the right one for me. And I would just believe that it's God's will for me to leave my wife and marry her. I got up out of my desk and I said, son, you don't know the first thing about the will of God. Let me tell you what the will of God for you is. The will of God for you is to go home and love your wife as Christ also loved the church. And give yourself to her. But she's the wrong one. I said, yeah, let me tell you something. You were the wrong one when Jesus bought you. You were an enemy of God, but he demonstrated his love for you. He died for you. He bought you. He forgave you. He made you his own and he serves you and never demands anything from you. Now you go home and do that. It's never God's will for you to divorce your wife and go marry somebody else. That's fornication and adultery. It can't be the will of God if it breaks the word of God. Did you hear me? It can't be the will of God if it violates the word word of God. It cannot be the will of God. So what what did Paul say? Paul said, said, okay, Holy Spirit, you guide me. I believe that you guide me and I believe that you know my steps. And so I'm going to trust you. All right, let me give you the third thing and the last thing here. Not only do we surrender our will and saturate ourselves with the word of God, but number three, we seek God's wisdom. James one five, that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and abrades not, and he'll give it to him. Think about this for just a minute. Let me give you some really quick demonstrations of this. Acts chapter one, verse twenty-four. They were all praying. They they needed to replace Judas Iscariot, who had hung himself. They needed a 12th disciple. So they all got together. And the Bible says in verse 24 of of Acts 1, And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen. Now, they had two good candidates. And they said, Okay, Lord, you know the hearts of every man. We're asking you for wisdom. You show us. You demonstrate to us. You show us which one. Uh, Acts chapter 8 and verse number 29. Then the Spirit said to Philip, He said, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip went and he preached the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch. And that man went and opened the gospel up to northern Africa. And uh, all because Philip was sensitive to the direction of the Holy Spirit. And God showed him what to do. Acts chapter 13 and verse number 2. The Bible says, as they ministered to the Lord. And they fasted. The Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Here they were. They were busy serving the Lord. They were busy working for the Lord. They were busy fasting and praying and serving God. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit opened their understanding that Barnabas and Paul should be set apart to go out into the ministry. This is an Old Testament principle as well. I don't have time to go through all of these. I'll just give you one. In Nehemiah chapter 7 and verse number 5, Nehemiah said this. He said, and God put into my heart to gather together the nobles and the rulers and the people. And when God put that in Nehemiah's heart, they built that wall. In a little over 50 days, they built that wall of Jerusalem because God put it in his heart. Now, this is where we need the wisdom of God. See, now here's where you have to be really careful though, church, and don't, don't check out on me. I know your blood sugar is getting low and the, and the buffet is calling, but listen to me very carefully. This is where you have to be very careful because couldn't the devil use this mysterious voice of some auto-suggestion where you start telling yourself that what you're thinking is God's will? Well, sure he could. Sure he could. So how do we know it's a word from the Lord? Listen to this very carefully. First of all, if it's contrary to the scripture, it's wrong. The Bible is such a valuable book. I mean, it's it's more precious than gold that perisheth. And and when Peter and James and John were on the Mount of Transfiguration, they heard the very voice of God say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But Peter would write later about that moment when he heard the voice of God audibly, but Peter wrote, we have a more sure word of prophecy in the word of God. He said, I heard God literally speak, but this is more sure than that. Now, you hear me, we, we have cheapened the scriptures today. We've used the Bible like a magic eight ball. And we just try to find little things in here that, you know, these little, these little nuggets and these little daily devotionals that we get, these little nuggets, and they'll, oh, God will bless you and God will be, and boy, I'm telling you, we so abuse and misuse the scripture. You need to saturate your mind with the word of God so that you'll have God's wisdom, so that God can put in your heart what he's put in the word. And he'll show you what to do. Listen, I didn't, there's nowhere in that Bible that said, Dean Miller, thou shalt marry Michelle Miller, or Michelle McLean. Thou shalt marry her. There's nowhere in the Bible said that. So how do I know who I was supposed to marry? Well, number one, God gave me a desire to be married. So I knew that I was to be married. God gave me a desire to be married. And number two, I knew that it couldn't be someone who was unsaved. Bible says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So, I knew I couldn't yoke up with someone who didn't know Jesus. I had to marry somebody who was, who was saved, so that eliminated a huge part of the population, did it not? And then I began to pray more, and began to pray about somebody who would be a, 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 the, the, the lady that would be a godly lady, a spirit-filled lady, and I began to pray, and God, and listen to me, I was going to college in Colorado. She was living, she was from Florida, but going to college up in uh, uh, Illinois, Indiana area, and, and I went to a Bible conference in Florida. She wasn't even there. I wasn't even supposed to go to that conference, but God ordered my steps. God had let me go. It's a longer story than this. But I got there, and in that process, God put us together, and God ordered those steps and affirmed it. Now, let me tell you something. I knew that when I married Michelle, even though her name wasn't in the Bible, that it said, Dean, you should marry Michelle. The Bible didn't say anything about that, but the Bible said you better marry somebody that's saved. You better marry somebody that loves God. You better marry somebody that has a pure heart. You better marry somebody that I have made for you. And let me tell you, God directed, as I sought Him, God brought me to her you see this is what you young people need to understand god's up here as you pursue the lord if you've got a spouse somewhere and made someone that god wants you to have as they pursue the lord as you guys meet the lord you'll meet each other and god ordered our steps now listen if it's contrary to the word of god it's wrong number two if it's forced it's not of god you say, what do you mean by that? God guides, he doesn't shove. And God's not going to push you into something quickly. Listen, listen to what the Bible says. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Led by the Spirit of God. There's a gentleness in that leading. Uh, he's leading us. Do you know, you know what God was doing with Paul? The Holy Spirit said, no, Paul, not here. And the Holy Spirit was leading him, so he went north. And the Holy Spirit said, no. And what was he doing? He was guiding his steps eventually to go to Troas in the northwest. Paul was going west. He said, no. He started going north. God said, no. He took him northwest, and God said, here. And God was guiding his steps. The Lord was leading him. I want to tell you something. Listen to me. God, if it's, if it's forced, if it's compulsive, if it's, if it's a reaction, it's usually not right. Remember Samuel? little samuel he didn't he didn't surrender till the fourth call god kept calling i remember when i surrendered to preach god put it in my heart i i I hesitate to ever tell this story because some think it's unbelievable but i remember as a little boy i mean before i can i can really even remember remembering i wanted to be a preacher i had a desire in my heart to preach the word of god when I was a little kid, I had a little preacher's jacket. I'd put that little preacher's jacket on. I'd set my whole family down. I'd open up at the, at the coffee table. And I'd preach to my mom and dad and my brothers. And I'd preach to them. And uh, I, I, remember, I remember one time I was in a dark auditorium. I was about seven years old. I pulled a chair over. It was at our church auditorium. The place was dark. Dad was working. I pulled a chair over. I got behind the pulpit. And in my little mind's eye, there was a crowd of people out there. And I preached through genesis chapter one. I said in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth god said Let there be light god saw that light that it was good God said let the dry land appear and the dry land appeared and god saw it and it was good God made the stars the moon the sun and god saw that and it was good I went through every one of those days. It was good. It was good. I said but then when god made adam In his own likeness now I was about seven years old God made Adam in his own likeness, And I said, I said, God made Adam in his likeness." And when God stepped back and he looked at that creation of that man, God said, it is very good. And I began to preach, you are very good to God. You're more important. You're, God said the light is good, but you're very good. The God said the stars are good, but you're very good. And I heard a big voice in the back, amen. <laughs> My dad was sitting in the back of the auditorium. He came to me and he said, but son, we're not good anymore. There's none good, no, not one. I said, you're right. So I preached another message. (laughs) The hardest thing in the world for God to create. I said, you know, God created a little ant. God created the big rhinoceros. God created the sun, the moon, the stars, all these things. What was the hardest thing for God to create? And I said, God created a little place called Golgotha when God made that he knew that he was going to meet man there and take his sin and become sin for man and he would suffer there his son would die there but God made it because God loves you God made a place for him to die for man oh listen hey, let me tell you something I knew in my heart I was called to preach when I was young it just took me until 16 to figure it out God put that germ in my heart and just kept kept putting it Kept calling me, kept calling me, kept calling me. I wasn't pushed into it. But if it's, God doesn't do that. Listen listen to this verse, Proverbs chapter four and verse number 18. The path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. You see, God just gives light and he gives more light and God gives light and he gives more light and God gives light and he gives more light until you are assured of what God's calling you. That's what God was doing with Paul. He was moving him, moving him. Moving him, moving him until he was there. Listen to me. I wish I had time to go into this. But, but when it comes to the will of God, God says, listen, I'm going to give you wisdom because I want you to use your mind. When you present your body, God gives you a new mind. He transforms your mind. He gives you a renewed mind. Now, what does God want you to do with a renewed, with a renewed mind? He wants you to use it. <laughs> Hey, we don't have to, some, some people believe that we Some people say well you Christians you know you just Check your brains and you just blindly follow Oh that couldn't be further from the truth You're talking about Checking your brains the whole world is crying For independence but go to the mall and look around Everybody looks the same We just blindly follow Whatever the new fad is Christians are believing God We're following God God wants us to use our mind now let me just tell you this In closing here's what Paul did Paul just kept walking. He just kept walking. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and so are the stops. And God said, nope, don't don't go here. And he just kept walking. And God said, nope, not here. And he just kept walking. What was Paul doing? Paul was doing the things that he knew to do when he didn't know what else to do. Let me tell you, some of you that you're walking around, like, I don't know what to do. Do the things you already know to do. Read his word, pray, love your wife, love your husband, raise your children. Sometimes, mamas, the will of God for your life is just getting the right shoes on the right feet and a little bit of breakfast in the belly and out the door. And God used you to do that. You say, I want God to do something great with my life. Oh, listen, he's doing something great with, with your life. It may be that that little person that you're tying those shoes on for the 18th time today, that little person God's going to raise up to make a great preacher or a great missionary. I don't know but you just keep doing what God's called you to do while you're in place. Listen, I see so many Christians sitting around just waiting on Jesus to come when we're to be occupying until he comes. Luke chapter 16 and verse number 10, he that is faithful in that which is least will be faithful over that which is much. You just be faithful in what God has called you to do today. You just give a, give a gospel track to the next person. Just, just love your wife. Love your husband. Be faithful to church. Read the word of God. Be faithful to do the next thing in front of you. God will guide your steps. he order your stops and one of these moments you'll find yourself in a troas where god will give you a clear calling and say this is what i want you to do and then you do it (laughs) and then you do it you know what i believe paul was doing i believe all the way along that way paul was doing proverbs 3 6 he had the old testament scriptures in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths let me tell you what i believe paul was doing paul was saying okay lord i've come here Is it here? I want to acknowledge you in this. No, it's not here. Okay. Lord, I want to go where You want me to go. I want You to do what You want me to do. Lord, I acknowledge You and You in this way. Is it here? No, it's not here. Okay, Lord, I want You to do. Uh, I want You to do Your will in my life. I gave You my life on the Damascus Road. I said, Lord, what, that, what, whatever You want me to do, I presented my body a living sacrifice, and now I want to prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Lord, is it here? Lord, is it here? And everything You do, let me ask you a question: Did you pray this morning? Did you pray this morning about about the little things? Lord, should I wear this today? Hey, get up tomorrow morning when you start to get dressed and say, Lord, should I wear this today? Would this please you if I wore this today? Lord, should I listen to this? Lord, would this be pleasing to you if I listen to this? Lord, I want to acknowledge you in every way, in everything. He say, oh man, I want God to show me the big things. Oh listen, he'll never show you the big things if he can't trust you in the little things. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy steps. Now listen, some of you are paralyzed. You're in, a, you're in a time, you don't know what to do. Well, are you doing the things that you know you ought to do? Are you doing? Why would God ever give you more of his will if you're not doing what he's already told you to do? God's not going to give you more to do if you're not being faithful to do what he's already called you to do. I, you know what I believe today? today? Here's, here's what I believe everyone ought to take home from this message today. I believe everyone ought to take home from this message. We ought to walk out those doors and we ought to say, okay, Lord, as I leave here today, from now on, I've surrendered my will to you. And Lord, I want to get into the habit of every step acknowledging you. Every step of the way, acknowledge you. And God, you guide my path. I love that. That word guide the path means to literally get a to make that path open. God just gets out in front of you and just opens the doors. And God will will give you the direction that you're supposed to go if you acknowledge him. You can know the will of God for your life, but you gotta surrender your will, saturate your mind in the word of God. God. Give God opportunity to give you wisdom and discernment. And then just keep walking in the things you know to do and be faithful with what God's called you to do. Now, let me tell you this right now. Some of you sitting there saying, I don't understand a bit of this. This is boring. This is what people do at church. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why it's not connecting with you. It's not connecting with you because you don't know God. And you don't know God because you don't know Jesus Christ. The Bible says, no man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said that. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Listen. You're not even concerned about the will of God because you've never, you've never known the salvation of God. And until you get saved, until you have your sins forgiven and a new heart, you're never going to know what God wants for your life. It didn't even cross your mind. You don't even consider what God wants because you don't know him. And the only way to know him is through Jesus Christ. Listen to me very carefully. Let me tell you this. Jesus, Jesus came to this earth and he became sin for you. He took your sins in his body and he died at Calvary. He died for your sins. He was buried and on the third day he rose from the dead. You see, now why did he do that? Well, he didn't do that so you could live a good life and go to heaven. He didn't do that so you can get baptized and go to heaven. Jesus, uh, listen, listen, if Jesus would have died on the cross and then there was another way for you to get to heaven, that would have been the cruelest mistake God ever made. To give his own begotten son And then to tell you, oh, there's some other way too. No, listen to me. There is no other way. He said, that's unkind. Brother, it'd be unkind if I didn't tell you that. If you don't know Jesus Christ, you're going to go to hell. But when you come to Jesus Christ by faith and saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I need to be forgiven and I need a new life. Let me tell you what he'll do. Let me tell you what he'll do. He said, if you come to me, I'll in no wise cast you out. Let me tell you what he, on the promise of his word, he'll take you, he'll forgive you, he'll wash every sin in your life clean. He'll give you a new heart. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things become new. He'll give you a new heart. He'll give you a new start. (laughs) And now you're a newborn babe in Christ and you've got a life now to grow in and live in. You can have eternal life. You can have a new life if you'll come to Christ today. If you don't know him, I'm inviting you today to come to Jesus Christ. Our heads are bowed. Lord, I thank you today that in times when we don't know what to do, we can rest in the fact that you're fully in control, and we can find your will. We can know you. We can walk with you. Lord, we can know that our steps are ordered by the Lord. God, I pray you'll encourage your people today. Help us this morning as we leave this place to know that we've surrendered ourselves and that we're willing to do what you've called us to do. Our heads about, our eyes are closed for just a moment. Who's here this morning would say, Pastor, I've been in a place of indecision. I've been in a place where I don't really know what God wants me to do. But God spoke to my heart today. And God God has given me some things that I need to know and to do to know his will. And God spoke to my heart. Would you slip your hand way up high? Way up high. God bless you. God bless you. There's so many hands today. It's a place of indecision. God has a plan for you. God knows you. He loves you. He's made you for a purpose. But he doesn't, didn't make you to do a task. He made you to go with him. You find him, you'll find his will. Renew that relationship with him today. Who's here this morning Would say, Pastor Miller, Uh, You know, my problem is I've never never been born again. I've never had my sins forgiven. If I died today, I have no idea where I'd go. I need to know that I'm saved today. I need to know Christ as a personal Savior. I don't know it for sure, but I'd like to know it. Would you slip your hand way up high? I'm not going to embarrass you or come to you, but I do want to pray for you. Who would say that today? Pastor, I don't know for sure. I'm going to heaven when I die, but I'd like to know it. Just slip your hand way up high. Put it right back down. God bless you. I see your hand. Who else? Just slip it way up high and put it right back down. God bless you. I see your hand. That's wonderful. Who else? God bless you, young lady. I see your hand. God bless you. I'm so thankful. God bless you. Who else? Who else? Just slip it way up high and say, I don't know for sure that Christ is my Savior. I don't know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I'd like to get it settled. I'd like to know it. Just slip your hand way up high. God bless you. Now, let me say a word to those that just raised your hand. Several of you just raised your hand. I don't want you to be ashamed at this moment. Jesus wasn't ashamed for you. Don't be ashamed of him. In just a moment, I'm gonna have everyone that's able to stand. And when, you, when we stand, I'm gonna pray. And here's what I'd like you to do. Go right to the back. We've got men and ladies right here in the back. And just walk to the back. And, and you don't have to say anything. Just walk to one of those that are standing in the back. And let me tell you what, you can even say something like this. Uh, I'm, I wanna know I'm going to heaven. I wanna know Christ. Just say that. And they'll rejoice with you Then they'll take you and show you some scripture about how you can know it and they'll seal that decision with prayer and it's gonna be a wonderful thing. It'll be the most wonderful day of your life if you'll follow Christ today. So I'm gonna ask you in just a moment to walk right to the back and we're gonna pray. If you're able, would you please stand with me all over this place if you're able to stand. Father, thank you for speaking to our hearts today. Thank you for giving the will of God to every man, every woman, every boy, every girl that we can know what you've made us to be and to do. Now, Lord, speak to hearts today. May those respond by faith. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If God spoke to your heart, I want you to pray right where you stand, right there. You can come to the altar if you want. You can pray at your seat if you want, wherever God would hear you. You just pray. Say, Lord, here my I, send me. Now, if you raise your hand and don't know Christ as Savior, would you just slip out of your seat, go right to the back? Let one of these men or ladies take the Bible and show you how to be saved. They'll take you somewhere and show you from the Word of God. Our most gracious Father today, you have been, you've been so good to us. Lord, thank you for speaking to us in this service today. Lord, I know that you spoke to my heart, even in preparing this message, and Lord, I thank you for the forgiveness of sin. I thank you for the privilege of opening your word today and hearing it. Thank you for the singing and all that we've been able to have today. Lord, I I just thank you for giving us a church family. Lord, it seems sometimes we get here and we get into a rush. And I pray that today we would let our hearts be stilled and know that you're God. And that you're in control. And that you have a plan for each of us. That you know us. You know exactly where we are. Lord, you know our situation, and you know how to guide your people, and I pray that we would seek your face, and that, Lord, we would know you in a, in a way that we would trust you, Lord, that we would obey you. Father, speak to every one of us as we leave here today. May we walk away from this place with a surrendered heart. We pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen and Amen.